Our second scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, starting at verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of the Lord. As Molly mentioned earlier, I am Shannon Waite. I am one of the leaders of the Ukirk ministry. Molly and I have the pleasure of working with these wonderful college students and getting to see their gifts shared with each other every week. And I am so glad that we have this opportunity to come and worship with you and just want to echo the thank you of all of the work that you guys do to support us in our ministry. I can hardly believe that, this is the, that the first Sunday in Easter was only one weekend ago. It certainly seems much longer than that, and it makes me realize how easy it is to slip back into our usual lives, setting aside the joy and the triumph of that first Easter morning. Though I'm sure for those in our story, that first week had seemed like anything but normal. I think that Thomas in our story has gotten a bad rap throughout history, having become known as the Doubting Thomas and forever thought of the disciple who didn't have as much faith as the rest. A closer reading of the text, though, points out that this idea of him is less flattering than what he might actually deserve. The reading from John today started with the disciples on the evening of the resurrection. They have heard from Mary that Jesus was not in the tomb and that he had appeared to her, but the doors of the house that they were meeting in were locked out of fear. Only a few days had passed since Jesus had been crucified, and I'm sure that the disciples felt a bit lost, afraid of the persecution that they were experiencing, and unsure of what to do next. They have heard what Mary has said to them, but it was probably something that seemed too good to be true. They then experienced Jesus appearing to them and speaking peace. They tell Thomas, but he is not sure that he wants to buy into this story. He says that he will not believe until he can see and touch for himself. All of the disciples have been grieving at this point, and grief has a funny way of making things that should be easy and obvious a lot more difficult. 
A week later, Jesus appears and again offers to Thomas that same experience that he had asked for, the chance to put his finger on Jesus' hand and his hand on Jesus' side. We don't hear if Thomas did, but we hear him respond, My Lord and my God. After seeing, he did come to believe Jesus had been raised. He now had had the same opportunity to see what the rest of the disciples did. I think that it can be hard for us to believe in and remember the triumph of Easter, when in many ways we too are living in a Good Friday world, which can seem anything but good. We are a scientific society that wants everything to be concrete and quantitative, where we need proof of things in order to believe in them. When we watch the news, it can be more surprising to us when they report something that is actually good news instead of the danger, death, and loss that is normally reported. In many ways, we are living in the fear like the disciples. I know that I have had moments where it is easier just to expect the worst, not wanting to get my hopes up about something, being afraid of wanting the good thing too much. Protecting myself from that fear... But we see in our news things like the high tensions in North Korea and that people that are living in fear around the world in war zones, words like Columbine and Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech, and September 11th have taken on a completely different meaning in our vocabulary. A certain sadness is now associated with them. We see stories like what happened with a group of teenagers in Steubenville, Ohio, and we are saddened and stumped as to how we have gotten to this place. It can take an event or the words of a prophet to shake us out of that gloom of the world to realize that we have been called to more. I'm not sure how many of you have followed the case in Steubenville, but it was about a trial of teenage boys who had raped a teenage girl and carried her around to different parties, and there had been drinking involved, and it was um, a story that had gotten a lot of national attention for a small town in Ohio. When reporting the verdict of the trial, some of the journalists lamented the loss of the future for the boys in the case instead of remembering the victim. As upsetting as it was, it is a signal of a greater problem that is occurring in our culture. We ignore the problem and really don't want to acknowledge or examine the way that we view rape and women. Recently, one of the classes at Union was asked to write prophetic speeches. Anna George, who is with us today and one of the youth ministers, at Union, or one of the youth ministers here at Second, student at Union, um, wrote a speech that was very powerful. Um, I'm going to highlight one part of you, but it has been posted online, and I encourage you to find it and read the whole thing. Well, the one part of it that I would like to highlight is, great injustice rolls over the landscape of our nation, the landscapes of our world, the landscapes of female bodies, and the people of God are silent. These words struck me and stayed with me when I was thinking about what it means to be an Easter people living in a Good Friday world. There are many injustices in this world, and for so many of them, we, the people of God, stay silent. We have been complacent when the verdict that provides justice for a young girl instead causes us to lament the loss of a future for her offenders. Anna ended her speech with a line that I find to be haunting— God has heard the cries of the victims, and God has heard our silence. God hearing the cries reminds me of the story in Moses in Exodus at the burning bush, when God tells Moses that the cries of the Israelites have been heard and that Moses is to be sent to correct the situation. 
We are haunted by this in this Good Friday world when we are surrounded by dark things, and it can be hard to imagine that there is a light coming. There is hope in that haunting line, though. God has heard. God hears us, and we are not a Good Friday people, but we are an Easter people. The disciples and Thomas learned this all those years ago, even when it is easy for us to forget today. We still know that we have that hope in being an Easter people. Christ went to the cross for us, but that wasn't the end of it. Christ was raised, and Christ will come again. I mentioned earlier that I think Thomas has an undeserved bad reputation. Part of this comes from the translation of the Greek. It can be difficult when translating things from one language to another. Our translation of the text this morning had Jesus saying to Thomas, Do not doubt, but believe. Looking at the Greek, a better translation might be, Do not be unbelieving, but believe. I find this to be a more hopeful translation of the text. Jesus is not judging Thomas for doubting, but asking him to trust. It is not a question of doubt, but of faith. We have many ways of seeing God and the joy of forgiveness that comes to us through Christ every day. We just need to move beyond our unbelief to our belief. I see it every week in the college students that I work with. Thomas's response to Jesus shows us what our response should be. The response of an Easter people having faith is to exclaim, My Lord and my God. We don't get to see in the same way that Thomas did, but as our passage from Revelation we read earlier reminds us, God is the Alpha and the Omega, the God who is, was, and will come again. Being an Easter people is not going through life silently, afraid of the darkness. We have found the life, and we see the triumph of a risen Lord. It isn't easy to live the lives of Easter people. We have moments where we don't always feel as close to God, or when we have become so busy we realize it has been weeks since we have spent time in devotion or felt the joy of the triumph of Easter. The chorus of the anthem that Sarah and Kathleen sang just a few moments ago struck me as the humble prayer of someone who understands what it is like to be a Thomas and live in a world where it is hard to believe without seeing, especially when it seems like everyone else can see something that you can't. I am a doubting Thomas. I took a promise but I do not feel safe. O oh, me of little faith. Can I be used to help others find truth? When I'm scared, I'll find proof that's a lie. It raises the questions and struggles that I think many of us struggle with as Christians. We have heard the good news and have professed our faith. We want to push and find ways to seek out and help others. Yet, I think we can experience the same fear that we hear in the song the fear of what will happen if we don't like the answers we find when we ask those questions, or what happens when we reach out for someone else's hand and it doesn't go like we planned. The prayer continues in the next verse. Please give me time to decipher the signs. Please forgive me for the time I've wasted. This is another part of the struggle of our lives, of being an Easter people. We see the signs of God's presence all around us, and can experience signs that direct our lives, but it can be hard to figure out just what they are. I know that there have been moments in my life when I just want to hit find a big pause button and to push it so that I can have the time to just experience everything that I feel I need to do. At the same time, when I'm craving that time of pause, there's a certain level of guilt that can be experienced, 
when I realize that there have been all these other minutes and seconds that I've wasted not doing the things that I feel I should have been doing. I experience this most in the moments of my life where I, too, am too busy or too stubborn. What I need more than to find a pause button is to remember to take time to look around me and to see the signs of triumph of Easter and ask forgiveness for my moments of weakness. Then it is time to move on and to live in the hope doing what I can do to not be silent. Being an Easter people means to live our faith boldly. God has heard our silence, but that does not mean we must remain silent. There are many things here at Second that folks are already doing, including things like the walk-in ministry. The college students who are here in worship today with us are also trying to live this type of life. If there is anything that I have learned about faith from them, it is to ask the questions and to not be afraid. It can be a challenge for us to struggle through these different questions, but I think that this is a struggle that is worthy of our time. My hope for us today is that we go from this place and this time of remembering the joy and triumph of Easter, that we resist the urge to fall back into the comfort of our usual lives and our fear, and remember Thomas. Life for the disciples certainly wasn't going to be easy for them in the coming years, but they, like us, have been commissioned to carry out the work of Christ in the world. Christ breathed the Holy Spirit on them and sent them out into the world. As we go out, I encourage you to remember the joy and the triumph. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. When you see the moments of joy and can see God in them, respond to them like Thomas and exclaim, My Lord and my God. Please pray with me. Loving God, help us to remember the joy and the triumph that comes from being your people. Let our time here together carry us throughout the week as we share in the wonder of being your Easter people. Amen.